We welcome you into the Cross Country Mortgage Campus here in Berea. I'm Jason Gibbs. Alongside Andrew Gribble, this is the best podcast available. And Gribbs, the draft officially in the rearview mirror. And now we look forward to rookie minicamp, a little schedule release, uh, a lot of things still to come here, but the the bulk of player and talent acquisition for this football team it is now in the rearview mirror here, and we welcome in a new draft class to the campus and the 2022 season, my friend. Yeah, you know, it's a different feeling, uh, you know, than previous years. You don't have a first-round pick. You move out of the second round, so you start in the third round. First time the Browns have drafted that late since 2008. So uh, a different kind of kind of vibe to this draft class, but kind of filled with some players that, that are going to serve some key depth uh, on this team, which is what I, I think was the big goal going into it. A lot of trades have happened. We're just going to break down the guys that are here <laughs> and try to make sense of it all and how these guys help. Coming up on the show today, uh, Nathan Zagura goes one-on-one with Browns wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea to talk about that wide receiver room and the newest additions to that wide receiver room, including Amari Cooper and, of course, rookie wide receiver David Bell out of Purdue. But first and foremost, Gribbs, uh, the Browns uh, waited almost six hours before making a draft pick on draft weekend. They did so at pick number 68, and they did so in taking cornerback Martin Emerson Jr. out of Mississippi State, uh, a guy that uh, turns out probably is going to get a lot more playing time than maybe we all thought with the trade of Troy Hill on Saturday to the Rams. Yeah, it's interesting, and this is kind of in theme with this podcast. This is the ultimate best player available selection because the the Browns went into this draft arguably as deep at any position on the roster as they were at cornerback. So it was at the time a little bit of a head scratcher, but then 24 hours later, or maybe about 18 hours later, somewhere the Browns there. trade Troy Hill back to the Rams that frees up a spot in the room and, and makes more sense with Martin Emerson. My question is, and we'll address this going into mini camp and training camp is who takes over in the slot. Cause I don't know, especially with the way Emerson's built six, two, two, one, I mean, he's more of your traditional outside kind of cornerback. Greedy is as well. So is Denzel. So does that mean, does Greg Newsom see more time on in the slot, which is something he, he did last year? And it's a truly valuable position. They're, they're out on the field 85, 90% of the time anyways. So it, it'll be interesting to see the makeup of that room because not a lot of guys in that room have that traditional slot experience now. Uh, but it's something that can definitely be learned uh, over the next few months. And one has to wonder if the team won't go out and, and – add another body in that slot yeah. uh, in free agency because because there's still a number of guys out there in free agency. Oh, for sure. And there's still time. I think the, the roster is going to get padded here first with some undrafted free agents, then some, some other free agents that are still out on the market. Uh, this can be a pretty busy time for teams. I think it was the, the deadline was 4 p.m. Monday on how things affect comp picks, and right away you see the Saints go out and sign Tyron Matthews. So the activity might be picking up a little bit, just won't look like that first wave of free agency just yet. So that was the first pick for the Cleveland Browns at pick 68. At pick 78, uh, again, three third-rounders, three fourth-rounders that eventually became two fours and some future draft capital, including a fifth this season. But uh, of the second of the three uh, third-rounders, pick 78, the Browns address that edge rusher position. They get Alex Wright out of UAB, 6'5", 267, a a solid player, a guy that I know uh, we've talked about in a few of our mock drafts here, Gribbs, leading up to the draft, and and a guy that – 
uh, we were hoping, I think, might be on the board. He was, and the Browns snatch him up at pick 78. Yeah, and someone that I think is going to be a developmental kind of guy and, and kind of grow into the position and, and get ready. But he has the traits, the skill sets you want. UAB hasn't had a draft pick in a while. Uh, you got to remember that they stopped their football program for a couple of years and, and reignited it. Some Larry Ogunjobi vibes, if you will, with, the, with that kind of team and, and selection. But yeah, the Browns need some depth at defensive end. We don't know what's going to happen with Jadavian Clowney, but they've kind of added some bodies with Chase Winovich, now Alex Wright, Isaac Rochelle, Stephen Weatherly. The room is starting to come together, and then we'll see who kind of emerges to go alongside Miles Garrett there. Then at pick number 99, the fan base has been clamoring for a wide receiver. You go and get a wide receiver, and the Browns get a guy that they were very, very high on, as you'll hear from Chad O'Shea coming up in just a few minutes, a guy that the organization as a whole uh, was very excited about going into the draft. He falls to him. David Bell, the wide receiver out of Purdue, 6'1", 212. All he does is make plays. Uh, I know some people question the 40 time or whatnot, but – he catches the football, and he runs great routes, and he's a pretty pretty impressive wide receiver here coming out yeah. of Purdue. I mean, when it came from production, he was one of the best receivers yeah. in college football last year. And I think that when people look at kind of the traits that, that Andrew Barry's looking for, everyone talks about age and, and athleticism, but I think college production definitely matters, and, and this guy produced at a, at a high level. So that that's someone who you think can kind of step in uh, – Fill a, fill a need, whether it's in that kind of big slot role or or just out there in some form or fashion. I think this guy's going to make an impact this year. I think he's – Browns drafted a wide receiver in third round last year and Anthony Schwartz. I think he is, with his kind of age and, and the, the, the way he's been playing at Purdue, he's probably more built ready to step in and make an impact as a rookie than maybe Schwartz was who's going to develop and, and hopefully blossom here uh, in the coming years. It, Bell's numbers against good teams and good competition, go look those up. They're pretty impressive. He has showed up and shown out uh, when the lights are the brightest at Purdue. On to day three we go. The fourth round, uh, the Browns traded away one of their three fours, uh, but they do go out and they make a splash right off the get-go. You've seen the videos on Cleveland Browns, social media platforms all over the place. Perrion Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, a guy I know – in our original mock that we put together, I had him going at pick 44. Uh, a lot of people thought that he would go in the second round. He falls maybe almost 50, 60 picks at pick 108. The Browns get a steal. Yeah, I thought a lot of these defensive tackles fell in the draft. It wasn't just Perrion because you saw uh, the Steelers get DeMarvin Leal in the third round. A lot of people had him going in the second round. The Ravens got the guy from UConn. Uh, names escaping me uh, as well, but he was someone who was – mocked earlier so when they pick him in the yeah it's almost like everyone that picked a defensive tackle everyone was like that's a great pick because they'd been mocked so much earlier uh in the draft so a lot of those guys fell uh down into the third and fourth round and uh the Browns scoop him up with with, I think it was the third pick of of overall on day three so clearly they went into that day knowing they wanted to go get him and they got him uh and and it's a it's a position group that I still think there's places to fill uh, so he's going to have every opportunity to, to kind of come in and ride the momentum that he's had in this offseason because he wasn't really necessarily on everyone's map until the senior bowl when he really showed out uh, and then kind of rode that way. I think he's clearly determined, uh, clearly ready to work, as he told us many times. And so it's just about channeling that energy uh, and turning it, putting it on the football field and, and, and kind of earning a, a job on this team. He will be by far the most 
polarizing player to watch next week at Brown's Rookie Minicamp <laughs> when he shows up because who knows how that's going to look. But you know you're going to hear from him oh, yeah. uh, next week at Brown's Rookie Minicamp. So the Browns trade away pick 118. They have pick 124 in the fourth round. They take the number one kicker in this draft by all accounts. Leave the only kicker. Uh, yeah, I believe the only kicker, uh, Cade York out of LSU, uh, becomes a Cleveland Brown. The Browns subsequently have uh, waived their other two kickers. He's the man. He will be the man. He'll get all the reps. And going forward, he will be your starting kicker for the Cleveland Browns, basically from day day one drafted, but day three of him being with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and we'll see if they bring in maybe sure. an undrafted guy or something Just like another to, to, to have another leg in camp. And what's interesting about him is, he didn't handle kickoffs at LSU. It'll be, I, I imagine he's going to do that here because he's got a huge leg. Uh, and from all accounts, that was not a problem. I think they just wanted to give him a little rest and get some other guys in there to, to handle kickoffs. And I think placement's a little bit more important in the college game than, than it is in the NFL for kickoffs. But anyways, big-time kicks at a big program. Their first-ever kicker to be drafted. But LSU's produced some good kickers over the last few years and everything like that. And it clearly was a huge need. I mean, I, th- I think that – uh, some people were skeptical on where they went and got him, but I think there was clearly some intel there that he was probably not going to be there the next time they were on the board. So you know you need a kicker. You know you like this guy the best. You might as well go out and get him uh, in a draft where you have nine picks, and you might as well address a huge important need on this team. Yeah, if you need a body and the top body is there, go take him. Don't don't wait. Make the pick, and don't worry about where he's drafted, especially if, if he's as good as advertised. And now the Browns have upgraded a kicker punter and a returner with Jakeem Grant yeah all new look to that room and I think it was needed I think you wanted to be better in all phases uh in that regard and I I think you've gotten some solid guys you feel great about going into it where I I don't think we're gonna maybe maybe with Bajorquez is there kind of some kind of competition with Joseph Charlton but we'll see but I think you've got your your front runners at all three of those spots right now all right so I think the Browns go out then on day three we talked about them trading pick 118 uh, I, I think this was a, a fantastic move for the Browns because they had three fourth-rounders, but they trade that fourth-round pick to Minnesota for a 2022 fifth and a 2023 fourth. Yeah. So the stockpiling picks, and, and, and in the fifth round, they take running back Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. This is the ultimate pick, as Andrew Barry described. Just because you don't have a need today doesn't mean you won't have one tomorrow, and uh, the Browns are loaded up at that position, obviously, with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, uh, Demetric Felton, and now Jerome Ford. You know, going into it, you know, Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson are free agents at the end of next year. You, you want to give some – some. you don't want to come into next year being real real empty at that position. Jerome Ford's a guy that clearly a high-talented player, recruited to play at Alabama, goes on in stars at Cincinnati where they had a, a fantastic final season for him. Uh, just a guy that, that looks like an NFL running back that you, you can secure – uh, at a good spot in the draft. Well, and, and I thought it was interesting. Andrew Barry said it best, uh, and so did Paul D. Podesta in their Saturday wrap-up press conference. You know, a couple of years ago, every draft pick you're drafting, you're hoping makes an impact on your roster. Well, you don't have to make an impact right away because you are so deep at so many positions, but it allows you the opportunity to take guys and develop them and this is a prime example of that with Jerome Ford. Yeah, very similar to the previous Cincinnati draft pick of the previous year in James Hudson. You were hoping yeah. you didn't need to play him. You had to play him a bunch. Uh, 
it, it, hopefully you don't need to be in a situation where Jerome Ford is your, is your top running back, but at least at running back, it's a little bit easier to make that transition in the NFL than it is a tackle. All right, so the Browns in the sixth round then take Michael Woods, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, they take their third Oklahoma player in the seventh round, Isaiah Thomas, a defensive end, and they round out their draft uh, class with Dawson Deaton, an offensive lineman uh, out of Texas Tech. The Isaiah Thomas pick is interesting. That seems to have generated a lot of buzz. I, I, I saw Chad uh, Reuter from NFL.com uh, on the three picks he liked from every round. He has this guy in there. Uh, Todd McShay has mentioned this player. Uh, so Isaiah Thomas getting uh, getting some buzz at the defensive end position. The Browns may have found themselves a nice little player late on day three. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see because I think once you get down in that sixth and seventh round range, uh, roster spots are not guaranteed yeah. for those draft picks. And I think that there's going to be a, a – a, it's kind of reminding me of last year's defensive tackle competition where you have a, a big mix of kind of veterans uh, and some younger players. And, and there's going to be some pretty open competition, I think, for those third, fourth, and potentially fifth spots, especially if you don't go back and, and get Jadavian Clowney. If this is the group you're rolling with, uh, a lot of competition for roster spots, and, and Thomas will be right in the mix there. Yeah, overall, the Browns do address needs. Uh, they take two wide receivers – uh, they get a couple defensive ends. Uh, they do get a corner. You can never have enough corners, as we've talked about. You get the number one kicker, a little depth at the offensive line room, and in the running back room as well. So the Browns take care of business in the 2022 NFL draft and build some stock and start to stockpile some picks as well for next year. I believe already eight picks for, for next year. Yeah, you, entered with, you entered the draft weekend with, I think, six for the following so. year yeah. so you come away with eight and that's 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 when you're going to get the best value on pick swaps and it's something Andrew Barry's done in every draft and I think he's going to keep on doing it yeah for more on this draft class and especially the wide receiver room uh Nathan Zagura sitting down with wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea a comprehensive look at that wide receiver room uh from Amari Cooper to Donovan Peoples-Jones Anthony Schwartz to obviously the rookie class David Bell and Michael Woods. Have a watch and have a listen. Thanks, guys. Here with Browns wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator Chad O'Shea. And coach, first of all, great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to be here with you guys and talk through some of these uh, players that we have acquired and some of our new players also. Yeah, and it's nice to have them back, right? And now this is kind of your first year with the Browns where we haven't been in COVID protocols. We can all be around each other. We can socialize with each other. And, and how nice is it to get the guys back here and for phase one and now phase two out on the grass? Yeah, it's been great. We've been out there on the field with these guys in the meeting rooms. Uh, we're looking them in the eye this time around, so it's different. We're not under the same protocols we were or the restrictions the last couple years, which was, you know, in a, on a Zoom platform. It's just so much different to be in a meeting room with your players to walk out on the field and, and to truly transfer the stuff that you do in the meeting room to the field and start building the program and, and the offense that we want to build here. And isn't it nice to get to see their facial expressions, their reactions to things, and be able to kind of like, you can connect better as people. And I'm sure for you, as you, you know, Coach Spence says, we look at ourselves as not only coaches, but we're developers. And I imagine that's an important part of developing is being able to understand a person and relate to them. Yeah, I mean, to, to be in person with the players is so important. Um, I see myself, view myself as a teacher, teacher first, and, and that's what I do. I'm up in front of the group. I'm looking these guys in the, in the eye. I can see their nonverbal communication back to me when I'm up there teaching them. Obviously, it's such a benefit to be in person. I mean, I think we dealt with the, 
the COVID and the challenges that we had in front of us on that as well as we could have. But now it's just so beneficial to have them in person. And I think they would say the same thing, you know, that for them to sit in the rooms and to look at us and, and, and to be able to get the information that way is got to be beneficial to them as it is us. All right, you mentioned at the top, we're going to talk about some of the new guys. And before we get to the draft and what that process is like, let's start with a trade. And you get Amari Cooper comes in here, a guy who's had a lot of success in this league, former first-round pick, great with the Raiders, great with the Cowboys, and now we certainly hope great with the Browns. What did you like about Amari on tape? And then now that he's been here, what's kind of the experience been like? With yeah, him? on tape, the first thing is he's a tremendous route runner. I mean, he has got a tremendous route tree. Uh, an expansive route tree, one of which you can do a lot with. So as a coach, you're excited to see that on tape. And then once we've had an opportunity now to meet with him and to be in person with him, it's been so impressive with his character traits. He has tremendous work ethic. Um, he just goes about his business in a way in which I think is just very professional. And we're so glad to add him to the room. Um, you know, he's not going to say much, but he shows great leadership by his actions on what he does here so far with us on a daily basis. I mean, it's been awesome. It's very exciting to get an accomplished player that's been proven in the league. I mean, you can acquire players in different ways throughout the year. And obviously one way you can acquire players through a trade. And when you can get a player that there's proof on tape that uh, he's done it, that's exciting. And you mentioned he's quiet, so I got a chance to talk with him uh, last week. And yeah, he is quiet, but certainly confident and understands what it is to be a professional. I think you touched on that. And he said that he's already enjoyed his relationship working with you because you understand, you know, that there are, he was talking about just about a slant route, for example. You know, some coaches say this is exactly how a slant route must be run. And you, he said that you guys had kind of talked about it and you understood that there are maybe a hundred different ways to get there. But as long as you're there and open when you're supposed to be there and the ball gets there, that go ahead, what, whatever works for you in that way. And so he said that he already liked that you guys are able to kind of have that back and forth and that he understands, look, I'm going to be where you want me to be when you want me to be there, and I'll figure out the best way to get open within our system. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's so important that we have ongoing communication between our players, especially if somebody of Amari that's been an accomplished player. You know, uh, I think it's very important that we share different ways to do things. Sure. We're not set in stone as a coaching staff on exactly – how we want to do certain things. There's certain things we're, we're not going to compromise on that we think are important, which I think he would share those same thoughts. But there's certain things as far as route running, we never want to paralyze our, our players as route runners and say, we're only going to do it this way. They know very well that their job is to get open, catch the ball, and to compete in the run game. So there's obviously different ways to do that. And I think it's important for all the players to realize they're, they're unique and they're different than everybody else, and they need to use those unique skill sets differently than the next guy who may be sitting next to them. And one of the things you mentioned right off the top with Amari, separation. And I know from talking to you a lot of times, you want to find out if a receiver can play in the NFL, can he separate? And then obviously he's got to catch the ball, but you're not going to get the ball unless you're able to separate. And do you think having a guy who is such a precise and, and elite route runner like that, not only will that help the quarterback, not only will that help the offense, but will it help the other guys in the room understand this is one of the ways you need to do things in order to have success at this level? Yeah, I mean, the, the, best, the best way to affect positively the group in here as another player is what's on tape. And what he's put on tape is the ability to separate, especially as it relates to separation versus tight man coverage. Uh, that's 
the, one of his greatest strengths is yep. his ability at the line of scrimmage and the top of the routes to separate from that tight coverage. And I think our players will really learn from him. Um, and it's so easy as their coach to just put on the film and to talk through the film of him doing it instead of me instructing and saying what we need for, him, for us to turn on the film and say, this is how you're going to be able to separate versus man coverage. And obviously he has a very uh, exceptional skill set that, that he has naturally uh, ability-wise, but he also has worked very hard uh, to be the route runner he is. I mean, this isn't something that he just walks in here and is. He has worked exceptionally hard, and that's the thing, working with him on the field that's been so impressive is the way he goes about his work. I know you like guys who go about their work, the words all around this building whenever the players are in here, and Amari certainly embodies that. Let's talk about the draft. And so that just happened. Third round, we get David Bell, who was the Big Ten receiver of the year a year ago, had an unbelievable career there. And then later on, you get Michael Woods out of Oklahoma. But let's just talk about process for a little bit. As the receivers coach, I know you look at a lot of these guys and you're going to develop your favorites, but you go through kind of what's process. Do you, you watch tape and then where does it go? The conversations go from there that lead to a guy that I know you're thrilled about in David Bell. Yeah, I mean, the, the process, I'll say this, starts with Andrew Berry and our personnel department. And they do an outstanding job of kind of setting the stage for us to allowing us to come in the process to evaluate these players, both as people and as players with the amount of information that they provide us. I mean, they, I can't say enough about how important that they are in the process for us as a coaching staff to allow us then to evaluate the player. Obviously then when it comes to us and the evaluation of the player, I think it's very important to look these guys in the eye, whether it is in a Zoom interview or we're fortunate enough to interview some of these guys in person, which at some point in the process, either our scouting department or myself or another coach has sat down with these guys and been, been had an opportunity to talk with them in person. And I think that's an important part of the process. We obviously can look at the film and evaluate the player as a player on the film, that's one thing. But another part of the process that's so important for us is to sit down with them and to talk football, to talk about life, to see what their goals are and see if they're a fit for the Cleveland Browns. And fortunately, I can look back on this year's draft and say we were able to be very thorough about our evaluation and none of it started without our exceptional job of our scouts and the personnel department led by Andrew. So you mentioned that tape is your resume. Everybody knows that, right? But success for 22-year-olds is a little harder to figure out. It's not just about talents. How are they going to work? How are they going to mature? And 21-year-olds in the case of David Bell, when you sit down with somebody, what is the one thing that you're hoping to take away that gives you the comfort that, yeah, we can go with this guy, or that is on the, the on opposite side would be, no, this is not a guy who's a fit for us? Yeah, I think that their, their traits and what we're looking for need to be aligned with what Coach Stefanski talks to our team about on a daily basis. So when we talk about being smart, a tough, an accountable, resilient team that always puts the team first, those are things that we're looking for in them because that's what our program right now is trying to be built upon yep. is those things. And certainly I have some things as a receiver coach that are very important to me. And that is, are they passionate about the game? Are they smart enough to function in, in a role in which we envision them doing? And then what is their work ethic? I mean, it's, as you just mentioned, it's all over our building, work, work, work. So for me not to try to identify that in the player, 
is not the right thing. The right thing to do is say, does this guy have the traits that we want and we covet so highly as far as being a Cleveland Browns player? So, I mean, we've been fortunate in this year's draft, as you mentioned, in a guy like David Bell, who really embodies a lot of the things that we just spoke about. Do you always ask them, are you willing to run block? Because if you're not, you're not playing. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely part of it. But I'll say this, if they can get open and catch the ball first, we can get them to run block. <laughs> you can get that there. Well, David Bell can get open yeah. and catch the ball. You put on his tape last year against the best competition in the Big Ten. He had three 11 catch games, multiple 200-yard plus games, led the conference in receiving. He just feels like he's a football player, knows how to get open, knows how to use his body, knows great hands. What do you love about him, and, and how do you see him fitting in here? The, the first thing I love about him is he really scored very high across all of our testing, whether it was a scout talking to him, whether it was myself talking to him, whether it was our tape evaluation from a coaching end, uh, match the personnel end. We all felt very strongly as an organization about this football player. Um, they're the things we really liked about him is when you put on the tape, he's an exceptional route runner that has the ability to separate verse tight coverage. And we believe that to be true, that it, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to your ability to separate verse man coverage in this league on the money downs, on third down and in your situational football in the red zone. So we identified as him being able to do that. And he did it at a level that we thought was really impressive. I mean, his best games and some of his most productive days were versus excellent competition. So that told us a lot about him. And then the, the, the biggest thing with us and really what, what swayed the vote is when you get to this guy in person, he's awesome. I mean, he really was exceptional as far as the person and his motivation and his work ethic. And we identified him as being somebody that could really be a fit for all the things Coach talks about on a daily basis. Well, I'm sure you're excited to get him on the grass. And I know Coach, you brought up Coach a bunch of times, pretty even keel guy. Like, and maybe behind closed doors you see a different version yeah. than we see, but certainly very even keel. And our great video department put out the videos of when they called David Bell to let him know yeah. that he was coming. And my favorite thing, which to me was as big of an endorsement as I've ever seen from coaches, David Bell says to him, you know, I believe, thank you for believing in me. And yeah. coach goes, oh, I believe in you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. He's got, he's got coach's seal of approval, so it must be a special young yeah, guy. Yeah, and I, and I think that's true. Like I said, I think we were all on the same page on this guy as far as an organization. You know, we all felt strongly about the player. We felt strongly about the person. And, and that's what I think is most encouraging about when you get a player like this, is you say, hey, how can he fit with us? And we identified the ways he can fit with us. We have a clear vision of who he can be for us and where he can play. And certainly he's allowed himself to play in a role with us based off of not only his traits, but his physical ability. Yeah, he seems like a guy will be able to step in outside, inside, but I think you know, we'll see a lot of them inside for us. And so let's talk about those two, Amari Cooper, David Bell, joining some guys that have been productive for you in the past, specifically Donovan Peoples-Jones. A lot of turnover in your room, but DPJ has been a constant now entering his third year. Yeah, here's another guy in Donovan Peoples-Jones that is everything we want as far as the person. I mean, he has got tremendous work ethic. He's a great professional. He's a great teammate, and he puts the team first in everything he does. So it starts with that. He's left after the year, and he's gone, and he's really worked very hard to make improvements in all areas of his physical play, which I've seen a difference just in a couple weeks of working with him, seeing him on the field. Been very impressed with the way he's worked, 
which I didn't expect anything less out of him. And certainly the thing about Donovan that's going to be great is he's going to provide a lot of leadership and guidance to a young player like David Bell. I mean, Donovan was a young player when he came in this league, and he learned from some guys that kind of taught him along the way. Maybe it wasn't even at the receiver position, a veteran that grabbed him and said, hey, here's how to study, here's how to go about your business that can be really beneficial to you as a player. And that's what my expectation for Donovan is with, for example, a guy like David Bell. I remember last year when we were talking about Anthony Schwartz in the preseason. You told him, be like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah. He knew every assignment. He was ready to go. And he's a guy, look, when you average over 11 yards a target for your career in this league, you're a productive receiver. And maybe he's going to earn more chances this year. But so far, catches go up every year. Yards go up every year. And he's averaging, you know, almost 19 yards a catch Yeah, for I mean, when you, when you get a guy that produces and, and can gain some yards down the field like Donovan can, I mean, it's, it's real exciting to have him in the room and now – with some other guys that we're considering really good route runners. So you've got the good route runners, you got Donovan Peoples-Jones, and we have Anthony Schwartz. And Anthony yeah. Schwartz, third round pick a year ago, can fly, track speed. That's not an exaggeration, it's a fact. That's what he's got. And we saw a taste of that week one against Kansas City. And then things got a little bit tougher, I think, as this season went on. But so young to the position, I mean, he really hasn't been a receiver full-time in his life, really probably before last year, you know, right. balancing the track and all that, maybe one year at Auburn. How's he kind of gone through his offseason, and what do you want to see from him to be able to take that next step and, and help really take the top off the defense for us? Yeah, I think the, the thing on him is it's a second lap around the track for him. It's his yeah. sophomore season. So our expectations are high for him this year. I mean, we want him, and when we say expectations, it's, you know, can you go about your business as far as your work ethic? Uh, can you bring those traits that you have physically all right, and be productive on the field. And he is working very hard to do that. I mean, he is, he's very intelligent, he's fast, he's young, he's a good person who I think is a team guy. And I think this is a big year for him. You know, he's gone through all the things that you go through in your transition in your first year in the NFL, which is sometimes very challenging. So he's gone through that journey and now he's staring at the second year. And I think he's got a different perspective and one which it could be very beneficial to him if he allows that to be. If there's one thing you would say for the fans, when, whether at minicamp or once we get into training camp, that would kind of say, okay, he's getting it, what would it be? What would you want people to be able to see from Anthony Schwartz? I, I think getting open and catching the ball. You know, I mean, really, we try to make it real simple. And, and, you know, I mean, I could put, don't ever want to put a catch total on it. I don't, don't ever want to put... Uh, expectations of certain stats and those things. I mean, for, for him to help us and, and for him to help us contribute in winning, he just needs to get open and catch the ball. And obviously, we like him to, to block in the run game, right? But without those first two, really, you have nothing in a player. So yeah. we, we were really excited about, uh, you know, him in his year two. Uh, look forward to working with him again on the field. He's already done some real good things for us in the classroom and transferred that to the field here in the first couple weeks of our off-season program. All right, I got a couple guys who have been here, uh, at least one on the field for us, Jamarcus Bradley, and then Javon Wims, who was with us last year on the practice squad. What do you see from those two guys? And I know you've been a big fan of Jamarcus's. Yeah, big fan of Jamarcus Bradley for kind of all the things we wanted in a player he, he is. You know, he's got just a great uh, demeanor about himself. He's got good character. But as a player, here's a guy that's got some strengths. He's got great body control. He catches the ball well. 
he can play in a multiple position role because he studies so hard and he's got great mental ability uh, to function within those roles. So another guy I'm really excited about. I mean, this is you know, a, a, a room right now that I'm coaching that just doesn't have some guys at the top that you're looking at to be competitive. I really see the entire room having a chance to be competitive in different roles and sure. in different ways. Sure. And Wims 6'2", a little bit different size profile than yeah, a lot of guys Wim, in the room. Yeah, Wims is, you know, a, a bigger type body um, that, again, is, is working hard. He's learning our offense. He hasn't been with us very long. Yeah. So he's kind of learning our system. He's learning, uh, you know, how we do things as a Cleveland Brown football player. And, and I think that he's got, again, he's competitive and, and got a chance to, to help us and have a role. Jakeem Grant, I know he's been brought here to be a returner, but also can do some things. He put on his highlights in Chicago and even in Miami right. with you, and you guys go way back. Uh, he just he just looks so fast. He looks so fast. Yeah, out the there. first thing when you watch him is he's very explosive. He's got exceptional speed, um, and and you know he's had a good career as far as that that returner and then having a role on offense. And he's always had a role on offense, and that's the same type of role we're looking to, for him to have. It's like, hey, the, the more you can do for us, the more you're going to be able to help us. So sure. uh, we're talking to him about, hey, learn, let's learn the whole playbook. Let's learn as many positions as you can. Let's see how much you can do for us. I mean, obviously, we're, we're very happy that he's here as our returner because we value special teams so much. But at the same time, he can really help us in different ways. And right now, he's working really hard to do that in the classroom and on the field. All right, so we round out your room, and I'm sure there are going to be additions, whether it be undrafted free agents or perhaps free agents still being brought in here to flesh this out. But Michael Woods, who we took later in the draft out of Oklahoma, what did you like about him, and, and what's kind of the trait that you're banking on that he can have translate here? Yeah, another guy in the draft process we were very thorough on in our evaluation. Again, our scouting department and Andrew, they did such a great job of identifying him to us. And then once they did that, we really did a lot of film study on him. We went back and, you know, he played at Arkansas, Arkansas previously. Yeah. So we, we really dug down deep into his Arkansas play, looked at him there. We had a chance to visit with him in person. He had an outstanding interview. Uh, we were very impressed walking away with uh, a person that we thought could really fit, you know, again, what we want here as a Cleveland Brown and really excited to have him. You know, he's a guy that's going to be able to make a contested catch. He understands how to run routes. He has played at a high level in a in really outstanding conference, so yeah. we're really excited to, to have him aboard. Is this like the start of the fun time for you, just getting, finally getting to see the ball in the air, seeing you guys catch the ball a little bit and know that, all right, we're slowly building. These are the baby steps. These are the, we're building the foundation right now, but you're a coach. You're a teacher, as you said. To actually get to see them out there and be able to on the grass teach and coach and see this start to come this together. is the best i mean this is i was telling uh, another one of our coaches today how awesome is it that we're out on the field working with our players getting in the classroom again looking them in the eye and then seeing them develop because at the end of the day it's my job to develop the players in my position and and i it's my expectation that the receivers are going to improve and you know to see the growth over time is what's really rewarding as a coach you know, and, and this is the process that starts at the ground up, that we're building the base, building the foundation, and it's a blast. I mean, I'm really excited to be on the field every day. It beats sitting in the office for sure, you know, and, and I just can't wait to kind of continue in this process leading up to training camp, obviously, later in the summer. 
So you always talk to them about when they leave here, right, come back better than you left. And you talk about certain guys like Donovan, you know, he went out there, tried to better himself. If they come back and notice what you've been doing here in the offseason, bettering yourself, coming in here all jacked, let's go. Well, I, I mean, I think it's to, to, to say that in front of the players, you got to at least go do something physically, right? So, so yeah, looking forward to, again, looking forward to having these guys around. It's fun, sure. you know, and, and can't wait to just continue. I want to see them sit on something with a bar on their shoulders, get up and yeah. box jump like you do on the reg. Coach, it is awesome having you here. We're very lucky to have you part of this organization and to have you steward these guys hopefully into a great season this year. So thank you for the Thank time. you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks to Chad O'Shea. Thanks to Nathan Zagura for their time. And Chad O'Shea breaking it down, Gribbs uh, talking through everybody uh, on this in this wide receiver room. Uh, obviously, great stuff on, on Amari Cooper and how he's leading by example. Uh, but uh, some great breakdowns of David Bell and that wide receiver room. It sounds like a lot of guys have put some work in here in the offseason as we get ready for the season. Yeah, it's a real – it's a mixed bag of, of vets and, and young guys. And it, I think you could roll into – this Sunday and play a game, I think, with this group and feel good about it. I don't know if this is the final, final uh, makeup of this of this room. I think there's a lot of free agents uh, still out on the market. So, but right now, I think you feel pretty good about it because I think that that DPJ is is in a position where he looks like your number two, uh, and then you've got a good competition between Schwartz, David Bell, and, and some others there for that kind of number three role in there. And I think that the the way it's made up, it's not quite the the headline-making group that you had a couple of years ago, but I think you can still get some good production out of this, especially, and, and when you look at Deshaun Watson's track record, this might be one of the better groups he's ever been able to play with as well. <laughs> I was going to say, you talk about great quarterbacks make everybody else better, yeah. and this is this could be a prime opportunity for him and this wide receiver room. I thought it was interesting, the Donovan Peoples-Jones comments from uh, Coach O'Shea, uh, he's only been with him for a couple of weeks since the guys have been back, but he's already seen a big difference. And now his next task for Donovan Peoples-Jones is to be a leader and a mentor and mentor a guy like David Bell. And interesting because this is only DPJ's third year in the league. Yeah, and but they've got some similar track record in that. I think when you're a guy like DPJ, obviously he thought he was going to go higher than the sixth round. you got a guy like David Bell who – First team All American does everything he's supposed to do at Purdue, and then he falls to late in the third round. So I think they've got that same kind of chip on their shoulder mentality, and also the traits and the, the ability to come in and make an impact uh, right away. So I think DPJ is going to be a good mentor for him. And the, the thing you always heard about DPJ is always where you want him to be, where you want him to be at the at the right time. That's something that will get you on the field fast if, if David Bell can do that. Yeah, Anthony Schwartz, the expectations are very big. Uh, according to Shadow Shea, second the, he called it the second lap around the track. Here, he even said, "This is a big year. We have high expectations. Uh, improve the traits and, and and get better. And this is a year. And I think it starts with with just being healthy." Yeah, and Deshaun likes throwing the deep ball to yes. get it down the field. And you saw what what Deshaun and Will Fuller were able to do with the Texans. You, you wonder if if Schwartz, with similar speed skill set, is that the kind of role he can have in this offense? I think with that speed, you, you're always going to be a factor. I think it's just about getting the most of him. We saw some flashes. I thought he made a great catch in the Bengals game midway through the season. Had the touchdown late in the year against Green Bay. It's just about staying healthy, keeping him on the field, and and getting the most out of that skill set. Yeah, you see your wide receiver room right now. That your top eight, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, Jakeem Grant, Jamarcus Bradley, who Chad O'Shea is very high on, Javon Wims, another guy that uh, 
signed late in the year. And Under the on, radar yeah. free agent, yeah. I was going to say, Chad O'Shea, very high on him, and then Michael Woods, the rookie out of Oklahoma. So we'll see if the Browns add another body. As you mentioned, there's still a lot of big names free agency-wise out there, which, which is very unlike uh, past years. But that's the case, and I think you're going to see a few more names get dropped around the league here as teams well, continue to come. When you have out. this many talented young wide receivers coming in the league, that's what that's what's going to cause the veterans to still be on the market. I mean, that's, that's the, the reality that – the tough time to be a veteran when there's this much influx of young talent coming in the league. I thought it was interesting with David Bell uh, as we wrap up the Chad O'Shea interview. Scored extremely high on every type of test they gave him. Everything from meetings to workouts to, to knowing tape and breaking down tape. Uh, clearly a guy that everybody in this organization wanted and as he kept falling uh, on day two. And I think I think there were people that were clamoring because when the Browns traded out of 44, there were some good wide receivers still on the board there. Uh, but they got the guy that they wanted, clearly. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, some guys just don't have a good combine. I mean, n- most notably, a, f- a former Browns wide receiver, Jarvis Landry, did yeah. not have a good combine, fell in the draft probably farther than he should have and clearly outplayed his draft draft status as a second-round pick. So, you know, I think if, if he's passing their internal test, that's all I need to hear because sometimes you just don't perform at the, at the combine and it, it hurts you on draft day, but ultimately you, you get in a good situation. It looks like Dave Bell found one here. All right, so that's a look at the Browns wide receiver room. Again, thanks to Chad O'Shea and Nathan Zagur for their time. The Browns with work to do still as they continue to put together that roster, Gribbs. And uh, I know that uh, Kevin Stefanski was on the draft review show the other night on the radio network, and you know I, I think they'd like to finish getting this roster put together sooner rather than later. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But biggest need still for the Browns here with the draft in the rearview mirror. You know, I think it's defensive tackle still. I think you've got to load up at that position because you got some, you got some guys there, but not not a ton of proven uh, ability at that position at this point just yet. Uh, I still would like to see some some movement at pass rusher as well, and then I'll throw tight end in there. You didn't draft one, uh, brought in uh, a, a former basketball player who's a really interesting story, Marcus Santos Silva. Uh, so you, you're addressing that position, but it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe a more more work done at those three spots. Yeah, Silva, uh, I don't think played high school football, did not play college, but he was all conference, all big 12 in basketball. Uh, quite, uh, quite a nice player making the transition to football and yeah. we'll see how this all plays out. But clearly the Browns saw enough of him from an athleticism standpoint and, and the measurables that it makes sense. And, uh, it, it's interesting on, on some, on some boards and whatnot, People thinking that he could end up being a better blocker, maybe necessarily than pass catcher. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he's a fascinating story to yeah. kind of come into. I mean, it's a lot of work ahead for him, but uh, clearly there's some traits that they liked, and, and we'll see how he develops. You know, and, and if the Browns, if Jadavian Clowney comes back, that really kind of makes your roster look a lot better. Helps it that helps. Edge, helps that edge room a lot. But you're right. I think defensive tackle, uh, and we've seen it the last couple of years with this regime going out and getting. Uh, an experienced veteran uh, down the road here to to help that defensive tackle room. Uh, we've seen them do that the last two years, bringing in some bodies. Yeah, there's a few big names out there still, so we'll see what where it takes you. But uh, I think we've, yeah, like you said, there's there's clearly a philosophy here with with defensive tackles, and a lot of it's been addressed in the month of May over the past couple of years. 
that's going to put the draft to bed, but we will have a lot of the draft picks coming up as rookie minicamp starts uh, next week. And uh, I think the rookies are here on Thursday the 12th, and they will be here for the weekend as they get baptized in the National Football League and the way of doing things. May 12th, next Thursday, also the schedule release. We'll know the Browns preseason and regular season opponents, and then obviously rookie minicamp, and then Things kind of quiet down. You've got OTAs going on, but then nothing huge until mandatory minicamp in the middle of June to wrap things up. And then we're all back together for the real deal late in July with training camp. Thanks to Nathan Zagura and Chad O'Shea for their time. Thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcast. You can also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. Before I go, by the way, it is Cinco de Mayo. Margarita? Mexican beer? What do you got? Uh, I'm a big Mexican beer guy. I like okay. it's every anytime I can find the opportunity, it's just the most it's that's that's when summer starts, is when the Mexican beer starts. That's that's it's refreshing, delicious. Big fan of that. Not margaritas. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not chasing those empty calories. Like the micheladas. Oh yeah, love the micheladas. Micheladas. Look at Jeff chiming in. I like this. I, I like where all this is going. We're gonna wrap it up and we're gonna go to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, one of my favorite holidays, indeed. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available, presented by Cross Country Mortgage.